I saw many companies. <laughs> they had daycares for kids. Um, mm-hmm. They had a place for you to get married. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up, hold up. I'm sorry. <laughs> People get married at their workplace? Yes. So there's a, they have a whole system in place so you can they'll officiate it. Uh, they'll they'll take care of all the like the the catering costs and things like that you get. So basically the whole thought behind this everything that they're doing is they want people to feel at home there and like they can work there as long as they want. I mean, that type of thing is always up for debate, too, because uh, we're an industry in general that doesn't have as many regulations because it hasn't been around as long. Like game development mm-hmm. is is pretty new and everybody's still trying to work out a healthy work-life balance. So that's an interesting topic that I don't know has a, a best answer, but it's it was cool to see. Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Peter as the guest. Peter is a freelance concept artist and game developer whom I met while we were both undergraduate students. And while Peter was an undergraduate student, he got the awesome opportunity to go to Japan and South Korea to learn about what game development is like in those countries. Um, So he spent three weeks, two weeks in Japan, mainly in Tokyo and Osaka, and then uh, one week in Seoul, South Korea. And so we talked a lot about Japan because he spent more time there but also because for some reason that was the place that kept sticking in my mind so I ended up asking him more questions about there than South Korea but we did get into Seoul a little bit as well Um, some cultural things that Peter learned and also some observations some pretty interesting observations he made about um, how the gaming and tech industry differs in Seoul versus in Tokyo So that was a really fun conversation. Also, Peter and I, um, we met because we were in the same scholarship program, the Mowbray Scholars Program, uh, which is for honor students at Michigan State University, named after the first black female graduate of Michigan State University. She graduated in 1907, and her name was Myrtle Craig Mowbray. And that scholarship played a huge role in the both of us being able to study abroad in our own way. Uh, So we get into what that scholarship is about, how we ended up in that program, and uh, what the experience was like for us. So it was really nice catching up with Peter. I hadn't really talked to him in a number of years. Uh, Of course, you keep in touch online, but actually having a a conversation is nice too. So (laughs) glad that I got to do that. Peter is super cool and is doing well and enjoying the work that he's doing and um, who can't celebrate something like that, right? So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Peter Burroughs. Thank you for agreeing to be a guest and taking the time to talk to me today. I know... It's like long time no speak for us. But. <laughs> we all have our own things going on. That's yeah. Uh... <laughs> so, uh, but you know, it really is a pleasure to get to talk to you today. 
And um, let's see, why don't we get started with you introducing yourself, if you don't mind. Whatever you want people yeah. to know about you right off the bat. Sure. Uh, so my name is Peter Burroughs, and I graduated Michigan State University in, uh, shoot, what was that year? Uh, 2017. <laughs> <laughs> so I am a currently a freelance concept artist and game developer. That's so cool. And I do enjoy my job. <laughs> yeah, that's important. <laughs> I'm sure we m must have talked about it a while ago. But if you don't mind refreshing my memory, what got you started into in like game design in the first place? So uh, when I was in high school, I was very interested in art and um, building things like I, I have that sense of creativity and I was trying to figure out what kind of field in some sense I thought oh maybe um, I think my parents tried to steer me towards like architecture or graphic design or something that's a little bit more traditional that might make money <laughs> on a more <laughs> consistent basis uh, but then I started talking about this the uh, possibility of going into game development because I saw um, schools like uh, Michigan State actually have uh, game development programs nowadays so and then I I went to MSU for it was media and information was the major itself, but it's basically game development and they have a game development minor, um, soon to be a major, I think, actually. But um, just learning from the professors and my peers there, realizing that's definitely what I wanted to go into because I could apply uh, all sorts of aspects of my my education, the creativity, the um, the teamwork like the the teamwork side of things and my arts but also my design senses and you said you're a freelance you said concept artist right yeah concept artist so okay. uh, a freelance concept artist or well a concept artist in general is someone who creates images and um they could be in 2d or 3d but someone who creates images to to help the rest of the team visualize what the the project is going to look like so movies need concept artists, uh, movie uh, games need concept artists, and we tend to come in at the beginning of uh, brainstorm what everything will look like. So you work not just on games, you work on like other types of projects as well, like you mentioned. Yeah, and so I think um, as a freelancer in general, freelancer just means that I'm not in-house at a company. Mm -hmm. It also affords ability with... Um, so I might have like a six month long gig or something with a company and then but I can also be working on other projects at the same time. So concept art can also extend sort of into the illustration side of things because mm -hmm. it's, it's another type of 2D art. And um, so sometimes I'm illustrating book covers or planning uh, cartoons or animations and things. Gotcha. Gotcha. And you said you've been enjoying that so far. Yep. I have been. It's uh, it's nice to be able to work wherever you want. So right, <laughs> yeah, that is really nice. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, of course, we met at MSU through the Mowbray. I always no was never sure. Is it Mowbray or Mo Mowbray? Do you remember? I believe it's Mowbray. Okay, the Mowbray we met, Scholars. We met through the Mowbray Scholarship Program, which is for <laughs> like study or research abroad. Um. And you ended up going to Japan, right? I did. Uh, I did go to Japan. And was that to study animation? So the, the study abroad to Japan was a program through uh, the Communication Arts and Sciences Building, our department. Mm -hmm. And um, 
it was a program to Japan. Uh, we visited Tokyo and Osaka and then South Korea. Um, and we were uh, specifically studying game development. So, okay. yeah, it was just visiting companies. Uh, we were um, learning about the the culture of those countries in specific and how their games and their um, stories differ from our own. Okay. I don't know why I assumed... I think it, because it was Japan, I assumed animation. But then, knowing your background, it makes sense that you went for... Uh, to learn more about game development. And I'm I'm glad that you mentioned going to South Korea as well. Because I was going to ask, like, if it was a no-brainer for you to go to Japan. But I know that Korea also has, like, an industry um, involving that as well. So Absolutely. it's good that you refreshed my memory <laughs> that you went to both and not just Japan when it comes to that field. So how long was that? That was a, I, we spent two weeks in Japan, uh, one week in South Korea. Okay, so it was three weeks. Was that during the summer then? Yes. Okay. Uh, so as soon as, almost almost as soon as school got out, I think. It was like June, around June. Okay. And so, was this like a newer program? I'm wondering like, what was your, um, like, did you go into MSU knowing about this program and wanting to participate in it? Or was it like a newer thing that you signed up for? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the game development program at Michigan State or at any school really is, is they're pretty new. Uh, our field hasn't been around for, for very long. But um, the study abroad was something that the college had started. And um, I had heard about it freshman year, but I, uh, I decided to apply for it and go uh, my junior year because that's when I thought it would be uh, something helpful for me to do and a good world experience to get in before I graduated college. And about how many other students were in this? Um, well, when you went, at least, how many other students were there going with you? So I think we had about 20 students at, okay. at the largest point. Um, some people did, decided not to go to the South Korea portion, but um I think we had 20 with us at, in Japan. I do believe that the students on our study abroad to Japan and South Korea were actually all from the Comarts College. Okay. Uh, so they were all at least generally interested in games and media. We had some people who were mostly there for the Japan experience and immersion. Mm -hmm. um, so I know it's some, some Japanese speakers uh, there were some of us who were just there for game development. But yeah, I do think we were, were mostly from com arts major. Okay. Was this your first time uh, going internationally? Uh, it wasn't my first time traveling internationally, but uh, it was, uh, I think, probably the the longest stay I'd, I'd been somewhere. The uh, I My mom is from Malaysia, so mm. um, she's a Chinese-Malaysian she grew up around the Kuala Lumpur area, so um, I've visited relatives over there maybe twice before, but uh, no longer than a week and a half to two weeks, I think. And, but this was your first time to Japan and Korea? Yes, this was okay. my first time to both of those countries. Okay. So you're get, getting to go to, you know, take advantage of the study abroad experience, which is basically a requirement for that scholarship. <laughs> um and you're getting to study something that you're really passionate about. So 
leading up to that, how were you feeling? Um, yeah, I think leading up to the trip, I was I was very excited. There's a little bit of trepidation, you know, not knowing what, um, not knowing how to speak Japanese or Korean. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was wondering how much that would inf- affect my experience. Um, and as it turns out, it it was fine. <laughs> we had um, plenty of guidance on the the trip, and people were very understanding. Did you have like um, someone who was? I'm sure you had like a some sort of professor who led the trip. Did you have like a translator who, or sorry, an interpreter who stayed with y'all the whole time, or how did how did that language barrier get worked out? We had our, our professor, uh, Doctor Krusaris Constantinos uh, Krusaris, uh, and his wife. And uh, they led the trip, but they had also brought on um, there's two different Japanese speaking students that helped lead our our trip. And they were from partner universities in in Japan, I believe. And then the there was also in South Korea, someone similar who did the same. So you had college students who were like acting as interpreters and also guides while you were there. Yes. That that's actually a good idea because you have someone who's like your age or close to your age who's kind of what's the word? They can relate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they yeah. can relate to you. Um, they obviously like transferring this information to you, but you can also relate to them because you're at a, a similar age and both being college students. So, yeah, that must have been nice. Yeah. And I know we we also had some some unexpected help from you know our our own group. So. Um, there is one of our our peers, Garrett. He um, he, he's very white, <laughs> but he, he speaks <laughs> Japanese pretty well. And <laughs> the, uh, we also had our uh, uh, one of our friends, uh, David. So David is actually Japanese, but he doesn't speak Japanese at all. So if okay. we got two of them to travel together, then the Japanese people would start speaking to David in Japanese, and then Garrett could translate. Um, <laughs> which okay. was a really funny interaction, but um, that we that was how we uh, uh, like in our spare time because there was some spare time in between uh, the learning and academic portions. Uh, that's how we we got around the, okay. the city. And you said it was Tokyo and Osaka, right? Yes. So were you? You do you go to Tokyo first? Uh, yep, we spent one week in Tokyo. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> what was the setup there? Like, were you, you, you mentioned something about partner university. So were you staying at a local university during that, that time? So I was staying, uh, we were staying as a group in, uh, sort of a international hotel, um, somewhere in Tokyo. And although our professor was in connection with, uh, various universities, like, uh, I, I mostly remember Waseda. So, like, you're on the day-to-day, was that mostly visiting companies? Or was there also, like, were there classes involved? How was your day-to-day structured while you were in Tokyo? Uh, we had some some vi- sort of different, uh, more project-based portions of the, the trip. And, like, rather than taking actual uh, classes where we sit in a classroom, mm-hmm. uh, the professors mostly... In, and comrades as a whole are, are very much of the opinion that you should learn uh, out in the field and by yeah. doing projects. So we would go, um, we wake up in the morning, 
uh, and usually be out of the place by seven and then trying to visit as many companies as we could. And sometimes it would be as many as like six. So it was a very whirlwind trip. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we would also, we would go visit um, like his places around Tokyo and Japan that had historical significance or were were landmarks or um, the, we call those more cultural experiences. At the end of the trip, we had to, uh, to present a video. So um, some sort of video that we'd made about uh, a topic we learned in Japan mm-hmm. or what we gained from the experience. And you, um, <clears throat> you said you would try to visit as many companies as you could, as many as like six in a day. Uh, yeah, what sometimes. Sometimes. What were those visits like? What would you typically do when you would go and visit a company? Uh, well, so visiting tech and game companies is, is very interesting because a lot of the times what they're working on is under NDAs or non-disclosure agreements. Mm-hmm. So they can't always share what they're working on directly. But we would go in and they would uh, they were very gracious and would have pre- prepared some sort of panel of people for us to talk to. And then... Um, I noticed a lot of uh, larger companies um, would have a a sort of walkthrough um, tour that they had prepared um, to show off some of the the technology that they do. Um, so it's a in many cases it was a very curated experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we got to to ask them uh, questions about what they do. Now certain companies were were more open about like letting us stay around for a little while and eat lunch at their company and hang out in their their spaces to see what life is sort of like in there mm-hmm. uh, and th- those were those were nice when it came to like the question part I don't know if you remember you yourself having any particular questions but like what type of questions would the group typically ask during those visits if you can recall yeah so um I think a lot of the things that we asked were about how how are Japanese or Korean games different than, say, Western games like mm. like we would make in California, you know, or what's it like working with other companies? Because I know a lot of the times um, that we're becoming more global in the the tech industries and like just there's a lot of outsource work sometimes. So sometimes companies are entirely outsourced. So Mm -hmm. they work on other companies games or do localization or translation efforts. So that can be those some really interesting stuff for us to learn. So like, for example, um, in Japan, you, we don't see as many to some extent, not as many violent, games um and if there is a a violent element in the game you're not like killing people and they talked about some of that being part of the culture post-world war ii um but you'll see a lot of the times it might be like superheroes versus like aliens or um maybe it's it's more slapstick type violence or something so you'll see far fewer games with that that emphasis on like blood and gore and stuff which we <laughs> see a lot in the u.s media mm. um and it's this is not a hard rule but of right. course there's always exceptions but you, you just it, there's a tendency towards that and um they talk about uh games and media as a sort of 
sort of catharsis because at least mm-hmm. in Japanese culture, for example, it's a lot of the times there is some some suppressed emotion um, mm-hmm. for for social reasons, being polite and as a, for cultural reasons. So a lot of the times you'll see uh, their whether it's their commercials or their their games and movies can be over the top sometimes. Mm-hmm. You said it was kind of a, a, cura- a curated experience when you would go on these visits because there were certain things that they couldn't show you all. Um, do you feel like it was still informative or interesting to you personally, even though, you know, certain things were like off limits? Yeah, very much so, because also we don't necessarily learn about um, foreign con- companies, at least not through uh, our mainstream media. So we're not always aware of uh, what kinds of things they're working on and what kinds of uh, technology they're developing. So even though we might not get to see exactly behind the scenes, I think it's um, it was still very informative. Okay. And I mean, I don't know if you... Had you been able to visit game or tech companies in the States prior to this? Like, did you have anything that you were like... to comp- Not that you were supposed to compare but did you have anything to compare it to at the time or was this your first time really getting to visit game and tech companies like that um i actually have visited a lot so uh over my the years in college i'd gotten to visit some game companies around michigan in the midwest Mm -hmm. um as well as we we had done trips to san francisco and los angeles um and i think uh every company is is different. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's good to see what the work environment is like a little bit, what the how they talk about their company and how people feel about their workplace and the the things they make because I know some places um like we had gone to Double Fine, this is a game company in California and they um they were very open. They they just said, uh, please don't talk about our stuff." <laughs> but here's <laughs> what we're working on and we yeah. can see everything and Tim Schaefer, the the CEO of that company, he's just like he's really great. He's it's a relationship built on trust, and our professors completely expect us to to uphold that. So, um, mm-hmm. and it was an awesome experience. It was a very off the cuff type of thing. Like, oh wow, that that's uh, what they're working on for the next game. But <laughs> <laughs> you better not talk about it because mm-hmm. that's um. But yeah. Well, you mentioned it being like more. I guess, secretive or more protective of their, um, their projects and their information. Um, was there anything else that stood out to you in terms of Japanese game and tech companies, anything in particular that was like, Oh, okay. This is different. I think the, um, the, the companies as a whole, uh, like some of the major places, um, I mean, between Japan and South Korea, we had gone to like, uh, Nexon and SKT, like SK Telecom, like they're very, very large places. So like you go to a company and they have uh, the the building holds like 30 to 40,000 people. Mm-hmm. And it is it's an operation like you can you you can go in and, and work as long as you want. If your your team has to crunch, they have like uh, beds and showers for people to stay overnight. There's a there's a daycare for I saw many companies. <laughs> they had daycares for kids. Um, mm-hmm. They had um, feed their employees like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There's a gym. Uh, there's a 
a place for you to get married. So like you can, <laughs> you can Are you get serious? company. Yeah. And they say there's always one or two weddings every weekend. And, um, wait, 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 hold up. Hold up. I'm sorry. <laughs> People get married at their workplace. Yes. So there's a, they have a whole system in place so you can, they'll officiate it. Uh, they'll, they'll take care of all the, like the the catering costs and things like that you get so basically the whole thought behind this everything that they're doing is they want people to feel at home there and like they can work there as long as they want it's definitely a, a career and rather than like a, a transient like all right i'm gonna be here for like three months type of thing but mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because um i mean that type of thing is always up for debate too because uh we're an industry in general that doesn't have as many regulations because it hasn't been around as long. Like game development mm-hmm. is is pretty new and everybody's still trying to work out a healthy work life balance. So maybe working at your workplace forever and staying there overnight, maybe that's not healthy. But then also it can also be viewed as there's a lot of that's a lot of benefits to your health. Like you could get a massage there. They like <laughs> you could go exercise there. Like they're trying to take help you take care of your kids. So um, I think that is that's an interesting topic that I don't know has a a best answer, but it's it was yeah. cool to see. Okay, okay. You said you went to Tokyo within Japan uh, before moving on to South Korea. You went to to Tokyo and Osaka. Um, I, I'm very curious about that because did you do the same things in Tokyo, like visiting companies? Uh, I'm used to hearing about all the big industries kind of being concentrated in this one place. So I'm wondering like what the, how things might've been similar or different in, in Osaka when you went. Yeah, I'd say most, more of our cultural, cultural experiences were, uh, uh in Osaka or on the way to Osaka. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah, um, a lot of the companies were based more around Tokyo. So then Osaka was, that was more so cultural, like that week you spent in Osaka was more about visiting things and learning more about Japan. And then the, the game development part of it, that was mostly in Tokyo. Yeah. Heavily in the Tokyo area. They sort of have their own like Silicon Valley (laughs) sort Mm. of. Okay. And, um, you said you went on like cultural visits and. I mean, I want to ask you to list all the things you did and saw, but like, were there anything, <laughs> was there um, any particular places or things that really stuck out to you that you remember? Um, let's see. Okay, so one of the things that stuck to me, stuck out to me a lot was Miyajima. It's that island with that, like everybody knows it for the, the golden or, or the the red gate that's just yeah. floating in the ocean um yeah but yeah it had a lot of like the traditional architecture and then also just deer deer everywhere <laughs> so <laughs> we thought that was fascinating because we're like wow they're just like doing whatever they want because their um deer are actually protected you're not you're not allowed to harm the deer yeah so it was a that was a very interesting experience and just something totally unique from like the midwest united states yeah um was the tide low enough for you to walk out there or was it still like completely was the base submerged in water when you went yeah it was all submerged okay Um, but we had done 
Oh, there's a, a variety of things like that. Like we'd gone to see the Golden Temple and some of the other, um, we gone hiking in the mountains and stuff and like taking a little rail car up and done some hiking to see, see the various like temples in the forest and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was, that was awesome. Like <laughs> there's just, that's, that's a, a favorite thing with elevation because Ohio, I grew up in Ohio and Ohio is so flat. So then seeing all this old architecture is just really awesome to me. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. So, okay. So I'm just trying to get a picture of this geographically. Osaka was kind of like, that was like where you stayed. That was like your home base. And, so, but you would like take what, like day trips to other places. We, we did, okay. yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. The whole elevation part of it. <laughs> Cause yeah. Ohio, from what I've seen, is pretty flat, you know. So getting to see all these ancient things and then getting to go high up and do all this stuff, that must like, have wow. been really fun. <laughs> yeah, this is so cool. And um, I thought, I think that's, over the years, I thought maybe that's a, a large motivation for me to go into something like concept art because uh, Ohio is a great place to grow up. It's, it's very relaxing and, you know, nothing too crazy is going to happen. <laughs> So mm-hmm. it's comforting in that way, but it's it's sort of like um, sort of like Hobbiton in Lord of the Rings. You know, it's like very small, close knit, and safe. You know, there's a lot of rural and farmland and everything. But if you want to go, uh, I think that does create a, a sense of wanting to see the world and travel for a lot of people here because it's like, well, this is all very familiar and nice, but it's maybe too much so in a way. And I know foreign exchange students coming to the Midwest. Uh, like I had, had a good friend, uh, Andrew Pistis, and he came from Venice and he thought, he thought Ohio was awesome. Oh, <laughs> was, wow. Okay. This, this is really cool because there, there's not that hustle and bustle of like mm. a major city like that. But I think as a concept artist, I am always wanting to create these awesome landscapes and experiences that you wouldn't get to see in a day to day. And that's, uh, it's living in Ohio has probably <laughs> driven me towards that direction somewhat. Interesting. Yeah, I've heard a similar thing. Um, I don't know if you know Lizzo. She's a singer. Okay. Well, she kind of started her career in Minneapolis, like like Prince did. And I remember I listened to an, an interview of hers and she was saying how in Minneapolis, there's so many talented people because it's cold and there's nothing else to do. So you have to find a way yeah. to like <laughs> be artistic or something. Be awesome. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, and I never thought about it that way because I don't think of, I mean, I don't know Minneapolis, but like, you know, basically all these places that you might consider to be the middle of nowhere or like, yeah dull because they're in the midwest might actually have some of the most creative people because they have to do something with their time and their imagination you know yes uh, I, yeah i would say if the weather was like 70 degrees and sunny all the time i would have a really hard time staying inside at a desk job <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> but uh but yeah you talking about ohio just um reminded me of that it's like oh, okay yeah I've, that makes sense I've heard a similar sentiment before. Okay. And, um, like, as an artist, I don't know, like, what your process is in terms of, like, sketching or anything. But, I mean, did you, were you able to, like, 
draw inspiration from being in in Japan or maybe some of the things you saw in Japan that like oh I mean do you even keep like a book of sketches is that how you operate as an artist like are you one of those people who's always drawing uh I try to I think it's a valid question especially for for digital artists because I know a lot of the times we like to do our work on the computer but Mm -hmm. um I do still try and draw my sketchbook when possible and I definitely had it with me in um throughout Japan um, but I think the largest takeaways visually for, from that trip, especially was, um, just being able to see how a different place in the world looks, how a different culture looks mm-hmm. and Japan in particular, for example, had a lot of, um, they merged the urban and natural environment, uh, very well. So mm-hmm. I'd say like these parks and areas of greenery that you wouldn't see in somewhere like i don't know like even even like los angeles or san francisco with all this great weather didn't quite merge those those two spaces you know um and i think in japan there's that that healthy respect for the environment Mm -hmm. and there's definitely an effort to to keep uh, a balance because i mean they're they are a small island so Mm -hmm. they have to make sure their spaces are taken care of um yeah and for as for South Korea, there there's so much going on. It's like it's heavily urbanized, and seeing how they develop that is is very interesting. Yeah, like walking around like Gangnam, for example, it's like very wealthy, and you see a lot of <laughs> a lot of awesome buildings and crazy architecture and stuff. Were you in Seoul that whole time when you were in South Korea? Yeah, I think for the. F- yeah i'd say the that whole week um okay. there's a lot of companies and places for us to visit so we didn't get to yeah. see as much of south korea as we'd like but gotcha is there a, um i feel like for a lot of people japan is a no-brainer in terms of like games and animation and technology are concerned i don't think people know as much about uh that industry within south korea so i mean did you notice any like anything that was particular about um, South Korea in terms of those fields did it differ or was it very similar to what it was like in Japan sure so like I think um, Japan felt like they were doing a lot more content creation or at least that was what we got to see um, mm-hmm. whereas in South Korea like it was more content consumption and uh, they like for example the esports scene is very huge there like um, esports being like playing games like video games as a sport so that is partially due to them having like some crazy fast wi-fi there like the whole country has like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and i think it's cut partially because you know they're, they're more much more condensed than uh the united states for example we have a lot of distance to cover whereas they especially in cities like seoul they can uh link up everything uh more efficiently i guess i would say mm-hmm. but they have this whole culture where like it's totally cool and acceptable to be playing games and even professionally in some senses. So they have what you would, uh, they're called PC bongs. So they're, they're room, like a, a cafe, PC cafe, I guess you could call it. Um, yeah. Kids can go after school and they just pay a couple dollars and get to play video games all evening. And, um, you can buy snacks there. You can get like a, a shoulder massage and a, a towel wiped down and <laughs> you can pay for all sorts of services like that. But like, that's an awesome space for 
a young kid who likes video games. So, mm. um, and you see them go there with their friends. So they have all sorts of team games that they can play together. So it's, it's very much more acceptable there. So like larger companies like SKT, they, um, they'll sponsor sports teams like esports teams. Wow. Um, so we, that's something that, uh, you don't really see as much in, well, I don't think we saw that at all in Japan, but, um, but South Korea was definitely like, how can we make this a cool and exciting thing for people? And it was, it was interesting. Hmm. And I assume your day to day was very similar to like when you were in Tokyo, you get up, you go visit companies. Um, did you get to visit like, like do cultural things as well or visit cultural sites like you did when you were in Japan? Yeah, definitely. Cultural places and activities in South Korea. And our guide was awesome. Uh, Stacy Kim was her name, I believe. But she was actually, um, she could quite possibly be a K-pop star if she wanted to. She, <laughs> I think that was the route she was going um, before deciding that she wanted to do college first. And Okay. Um, she, But she's a fantastic singer um, and took us to, to karaoke. And <laughs> that was a great time. And there's like a lot of things beyond like, like Japan had a lot of historical things that we went to visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, South Korea had like a lot of, there's a lot in Seoul that's very modern and would be a great place to go uh, like dating for couples and stuff. Like they have all <laughs> sorts of cute little coffee shops and karaoke mm-hmm. bars and like, like Seoul Tower has like uh, one of those fences with locks that you put on and oh, yeah. uh, people's names and then you go up to the top and there's like a little candy shop and I'm like, wow, this is all very like K-drama. Like, <laughs> romantic. But it, it was funny. Funny to see that difference. But um, yeah, Stacy took us around to, to see some of the, like, there's some like some palaces and places throughout around Seoul anyways. And we all always, t- were you as a, as a group, were y'all always together or do you have, opportunities to explore on your own or do things on your own there weren't as many of us so we were a little bit more mobile in that sense so sometimes we'd split off and do um do whatever we wanted they did give us some free time even just having a week and i know the last day one of my friends matt and i he had managed to get tickets to uh an esports match um Mm. at the the top of uh, one of their malls and <laughs> there's a section like it's a it's a big event there's a, a lot of people there but um mm-hmm. they had a little section of bleachers just for foreigners <laughs> because you know there's not a lot of people from outside of korea who are able to come to that but mm-hmm. uh there's at least there's like 15 to 20 of us so we're like oh cool um i think that was probably <laughs> the only reason we were able to get a ticket <laughs> but um we went there and uh got to meet some of the the best league of legends players in the world and um fangirled backstage it was great okay. <laughs> like they all went out for photo ops <laughs> we were there taking photos so. nice nice um, so that was that was a really cool experience that um you know wasn't part of the planned trip yeah and were you okay i might be remembering this completely wrong i think i remember because you would post a lot of photos on facebook were you also going running a lot during this time? Oh, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> so I, that was, I, I ran a lot, especially in Japan. Um, I would use that as a, 
both an exercise as well as like a way to to see the rest of the city. Mm. Um, so I'd go running in the the mornings or afternoons when we had time and just do concentric circles around the block and figure out where everything is and what the city looks like. And there was a there's a really cool pool since Japan was ramping up for 2020 Olympics and stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, I got to swim in the pool. <laughs> that that was cool. It's not okay. the Olympic pool, but there it was the right next to the complex where they were building it because it's they have like this whole athletic complex that they were just revamping for the Olympics. So yeah, um, got to check that out. But yeah, there was a lot of running involved. <laughs> okay, I don't know why I just remember that. I honestly, it literally just came back to me. I was like, was Peter running around? I don't know if he was or not. But okay, I okay. So that was that was the case. Oh man! And well, then what about like, um, like food wise? Did you enjoy? It? I mean, I know that's like a very basic question when it comes to like traveling. But like, oh, how yeah, did you awesome. like the food when you uh, went? Did you have like a favorite in between like Japan, Japanese, and Korean food, or was everything just like wonderful to you? Like, what was what were your thoughts on the food? So I'll say personally, um, I, I since I, I grew up in a Chinese household, Chinese food is always the near and dear to my heart. But in mm-hmm. Japan, of course they have the best ramen ever. So mm. um, it's not like the, the little dry packets of ramen that we have in the U S is like <laughs> really nice, mm-hmm. really nice ramen with soup and all this awesome uh, vegetables and eggs and things in it. And, mm-hmm. um, and everything comes out of a vending machine. So like, well, even the restaurants, it's not the, that the food comes out of the vending machine, but you like, it's just like a electronic wall that you just like press the button and you're like, that's what I want. And then the chef gets the ticket and cooks it for you. So everything is very fast, very efficient. Nothing that we ordered was bad. Like it was all fantastic. Like mm. we just press random buttons on that and get something awesome. So, <laughs> so that was a, and that was a good way to, that they've made things accessible because like you don't even have to be able to read the Japanese to understand that that picture is de- going to be delicious. So <laughs> things when when we didn't know i guess when we didn't understand something then garrett would always come in and translate for us and we say oh thanks garrett mm-hmm. um so <laughs> I, it would be awesome to go around japan and be able to speak japanese and know the language but they've made it so accessible that you can like you can actually go around and accomplish what you need to <laughs> and then what about korea as far as food food was concerned uh Korea, uh, like i mentioned they they have a lot of cute things for couples and i really like bread and i really like dessert and they have a lot of bread and dessert so <laughs> <laughs> like you'll notice they'll on one shot or on one street like they'll have like six coffee shops mm-hmm. and you're like this is like less than a mile stretch why do we need so many coffee shops and mm-hmm. because like each company like if there's a, a building where people work they want their own starbucks or something or they want their own oh they had some different coffee shop brands and things but mm-hmm. um they were really into like crepes and like f- French. There's like some French bakeries, but like run by Koreans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. it was interesting <laughs> to see um, this unique, this brand of, of cute that they've come up with. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you said you had a, um, like you had to put together a video that was like your like assignment for that experience. You had to put together a video uh, about a certain topic in relation to like what y'all were learning at the time. So like, what was, 
I guess, what topic did you decide to focus on for that that video, that final project? Uh, for me, it was, it was specifically, like I'd mentioned a little bit earlier, um, doing um, within Tokyo in particular. But throughout our whole trip, I was, I was taking a lot of pictures of how they manage their space and like how they um, what they're doing to take care of the environment like going to MSU and having our motto be go green. I think mm-hmm. that was always an important part of <laughs> that was always at the forefront of my mind. And yeah. um, I really like what Japan was trying to do to help the environment there. Anything like particular that you remember that was very much like you remembered as being different or even maybe like innovative, like, Oh, I never would have thought to do that here. That type of thing. Well, one, one thing that I think a lot of people notice when they go over there is there's very little waste and everything is very clean hmm. um, which is sort of an experience you don't get when you go to Disney or something <laughs> they very curated. Uh, and I, we'd gotten to go to Tokyo Disney so it was the cleanest happiest place on earth mm. <laughs> um, that is partially a cultural thing and partially a, a byproduct of only having so much space like for for us in the u.s we're like well it's okay if we make trash we'll we've got so much land we'll just bury it somewhere Mm -hmm. whereas in japan they're like hey (laughs) we only have a a small island like we gotta take care of (laughs) what we've got so there's not as much heavy packaging there i noticed like they don't even have trash cans outside all over the place as partially in an effort to beautify their spaces and they it's expected that you you hold on to your trash and until you get home and throw away and mm. even then you don't see like a lot of like industrial sized trash cans and stuff it's like it just felt like there was less waste which is kind of nice okay to ask about like because you said this was your first time going abroad for this amount of time and you'd been to malaysia before to visit family but I'm wondering if your parents or people close to you had any, how they felt about you going on this trip. Like, were they worried for you? Were they happy for you? Mm, I know uh, my dad was always laid back and said, oh, that's awesome to have fun. And then that mom's always like, oh, my gosh, you're so naive. You're not ready. <laughs> 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 but uh, I think it was uh, she'd always done her best to try and make sure I've got my, my wits about me and common sense going on. So I'm not, uh, doing anything stupid or, uh, making a fool of myself in from these foreign countries. But I think there, there's just a lot, a lot of support from family and, and whatnot. And everyone that I talked to who had, who'd been on, uh, abroad before was like, Oh, this will be a really great experience for you. And I think they'd encourage that a lot. So mm-hmm. we were out in a large group of people. So it's, is, uh, a very comfortable, easy environment to, to slip into. Yeah. And did you get the feeling that everyone else was kind of having, um, like an enjoyable experience like you were, obviously you can't speak for them, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, um, I know, I know they had a great time and, uh, many of us have still kept in touch at bare minimum over Facebook, but in some cases met up and tried out all, all the, any new, Asian restaurants that have popped up in the <laughs> Lansing or Michigan area. We're like, ah, trying to get back to Japan a little bit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and South Korea with like their, is Bingsu? Is Bingsu South Korean? The shaved ice dessert? Yeah. Yeah, Bingsu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I had to double check my, okay. Yes. So, cause I know like there's a little bing suit place that popped up in Lansing and we're like, Oh man, it's like Korea. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) But just trying to get back there in some sense. Cause it was awesome. I think for a lot of us is, uh, it's like a little vacation, but sort of like having a good dream, you know, you know, you always want to get back to it. And, uh, sometimes it's, (laughs) it's hard to, hard to remember when you're in your day to day minutia and in, school or in work but then it's like oh no those that was a good time when we were in those countries yeah i know you said you had a lot of help while you were there uh, in terms of like like people to translate or interpret for you while y'all were there were you able to pick up any words in japanese or korean as you went like out and about (laughs) did you pick up anything that helped you um no i'm i was pretty terrible about the language and i think (laughs) Because I had studied French for four years in high school, which doesn't prepare you for Asian languages. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we learned to rely on other cues, too, like um, whether it's the graphic design of the subway, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like learning the layout. And I don't think we even had to play charades with people <laughs> very often to, <laughs> to figure out where we're going. Like, it's amazing. There's even I remember seeing in the subway as a girl who's probably only 10 years old, like with a, her little pink backpack running through the subway on her own off to some other city. Mm. And we're like, wow, that's nuts. Like <laughs> for one, uh, that their parent trusts their kid to do that. Mm-hmm. But in Japan, it's like that societal expectation that everyone helps take care of the youth. And, but also like that she's able to do that. You know, she doesn't need to be an adult to figure out the subway. I'm like, well, she could do it. Like, <laughs> We can we can figure this out. Right. <laughs> okay. And we we did. That's good. Okay, that's good. I was just I just thought I'd ask since you remembered Bingsu, I was remember, wondering if maybe you there were any other words that you remembered that helped you. But if you could get around just fine, seeing as how you weren't there for that long, then you know that works. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about. I mean, I know about. The, the Mowbray Scholarship, because I was in it. But, like, <laughs> for people not familiar, um, you is that what you use to cover being able to participate in the program to Japan and South Korea? Uh, yeah. So in terms of scholarships and yeah. funding the, the the trip is uh, the Mowbray Scholarship was fantastic. And I know um, if you haven't talked about it on the, the podcast already, that was a scholarship for diversity and I don't know, I guess you could say cultural awareness. And mm-hmm. I know Best German the uh, at the Honors College and pushed us to, to use it for study abroad yeah. and other big endeavors like that. But then also within the College of Communication and Arts and Sciences, they had some scholarships for, for people who are traveling to other countries. And I had saved up some money and, and ended up not having to pay that much. So you see the this crazy high price tag, but then um, like it's in thousands of dollars because you're paying for credit, like college credits and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then you can find so many ways to knock it down. And I think I think a lot of times people underestimate that, too. So like going into the meeting at for scholarships at ComArts, <laughs> they were like, all right, so we've got three scholarships for people studying abroad and there are two of you in this meeting <laughs> so um it was just me and one other dude so like 
it was, it was sort of a no-brainer, and we both got scholarships. So mm-hmm. sometimes you will find that an organization has money, and they just don't know what student to give it to. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't have a, the applicants. Um, other scholarships can be saturated. Like, there could be hundreds of applicants. But if you just keep asking and keep applying around, like, I was surprised how how much, like, funding there is for that yeah. sitting around. Okay. And then for, um, you don't have to go in depth, but like, I know the Malbury is like a little different. It's not like something you apply for when you decide to study abroad or whatever. The process is a little different to your, the best of your memory. Can you recall how it was that you ended up getting the Malbury? Um, cause I know we'd all gotten, we'd all applied probably, I know it was like before freshman year, I think. Mm-hmm. It was interesting being a because they they do that the phone interview mm-hmm. and this is interesting being a Mowbray scholar then and then helping to interview applicants over the phone and then remembering oh wait I was like that yeah too. yeah <laughs> for me I was just sitting in the kitchen of our house on a stool listening to to everybody and who was a Mowbray scholar then and they were interviewing me asking me these questions about um, why I think I'd be a good fit for it and I think I'd focus on there's a certain desire to learn more about different cultures and embrace my own. Cause like, um, I, th- I'd mentioned it before, like we're, um, mom's Chinese, but my dad's from Iowa. Mm-hmm. So he's pretty white. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't really, <laughs> so we're a mixed family and we don't have, uh, being half Chinese. It's hard to celebrate that, that Chinese side of you or Asian side of you when you're in a predominantly white, culture and like Bowling Green, Ohio. Yeah, there's a university here. We're also like home of the national tractor pull. So it's very, um, <laughs> it's very rural in a sense, mm-hmm. very, very white America in a sense. And the, this town has been awesome and welcoming to like my brother and I, but it's also, um, it's not like we have uh, a Chinese, a large Chinese community or a Chinatown or something mm-hmm. learning, learning more about that. And I think it's it sort of created like this interest in other cultures for me, and I think they saw something in that, saw a certain openness and willingness to learn. So that was, I can't say for sure what everybody was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> they let me in. I guess that was cool. <laughs> uh, it was, it's been a really great group to be a part of, and yeah, hearing everybody's stories was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Everyone that I met through Mowbray was like really just really cool people like chill you know like some of them would be up to the most amazing well, i mean pretty much all of them would be up to the most amazing things but mm-hmm. they would still be very like yep. <laughs> normal right like <laughs> you could still like talk to yeah, them there's... and everything <laughs> yeah I, I feel like the people that we met in the mobrace group was were pretty down to earth mm-hmm. and open open to new experiences and uh, generally welcoming. Yeah, but it was funny. Okay, this is random, but I, <laughs> was it on the phone when you do it? Did it? Was it over the phone? Yeah, it was over the okay. phone, and we didn't have right. Because so. I remember later on they were done via Skype, and I was like, "Wow, we didn't get this." When I was, and it was yeah, we didn't we didn't get a little Skype computer and everything. I was like, Whoa. it was only like maybe a two year span of time where they went from only doing like phone like over the phone interviews to doing video like skype calls as well but i was just like huh video conference. right i was like okay that's 
different. We didn't, I don't know. I just think it's funny how that changed in such a short period of time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see because, you know, it's like <laughs> without the vid- the human element, the, the video, it kind of feels like, oh, man, it's like an organization that's interrogating me over the phone. Right. Like a job interview <laughs> like or something. low-key kind of intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> Rep your best qualities and like uh, <laughs> not be not be done while right. speaking to everybody. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think that was good. Obviously, like the money helps, but I think I like the way it was structured in that you got to know everyone. Like you met up a few times a year, and you got to know where they were going and what they were up to, what everybody was was like studying or working on, or um, you know what yeah. some of their like life aspirations were like you really got to know everyone fairly well yeah i enjoyed being part of that i'm sure you did as well do you have any like major takeaways from those experiences like for someone who also wants to study abroad or for someone who just wants to travel more do you have any takeaways from your experiences that you'd like to share with anyone i would say to someone who is thinking about studying abroad especially in college and stuff like uh, do it now. <laughs> I think sometimes when you when you get a job, it can be people find it harder later in life to when they're locked down to, to travel. And um, there are lots of ways in college to to help fund those experiences and in, in places you wouldn't expect and from from sources you wouldn't think of initially. But you can really make it make it traveling affordable. And it's it's an invaluable experience. It's not like like I can look at pictures of Japan all day, but it's it's not the same as being there and getting immersed in all that. Mm. So it's, it's definitely important. Yeah. And uh, would you, um, if given the chance, would you want to go back to Japan and or Korea? Yeah, I think I would. Uh, I would definitely go back again, and it w- it would be awesome to have like a group of friends to help experience everything with. Because I think that was one of the uh, the nicest aspects, like you could travel the world pretty cheaply on your own, but also having other people to share your time there with is, uh, that's how you make yeah. memories. So, yeah, that's so true. Is there anything, anywhere else that you would like to go? Like if you just had like a go anywhere free card or like a ticket, I guess you'd say, <laughs> uh, are there any other places in the world that you would like to visit? I would go to New Zealand because it's awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> and like this beautiful landscape. Um, I've I've been to a couple other countries, the Philippines, and I visited um, the city of Dubai, and I'll be going to to France uh, this summer. So uh, I don't know anybody in New Zealand, but that's on my bucket okay. list. Where can people um, reach you or keep up with you online if you would like them to do so? The Greek word for time, but like opportune moment. So uh, Cairo Smith being someone who makes opportunities. Okay. Um, and that's my artist handle. And that's spelled K-A-I-R-O-S-M-I-T-H. Cairo Smith. And that's your handle on everything? Mostly Instagram and Twitter is where you can find me, but... That's also my website, kairosmith.com, where I show my art. <laughs> um, and got a little YouTube channel that I need to keep <laughs> up with. <laughs> I, I don't post as much of my stuff because, like, again, now that I'm working in the industry, it's a lot of stuff is under gotcha. NBA. Yeah. So can't show what I'm working on until yeah. it's released. So. All right. 
but yeah, I hope I had a good time uh, talking to you. Like I said, I know it's been a while, but it's good to see you again and talk to you again. And um, I hope you had a good time uh, during this conversation as well. And yeah, I just I wish you all good things with your um, with your work. Uh, I'm glad, as you said, that you're doing work that you enjoy. That's really special and really important. Uh, I'll let you go. Thanks again. This will be out uh, end of next month, so I'll be in touch if I have any follow up questions or anything. But for now, um, for now, I'm I'm good, and I really appreciate you um, sharing what you had to share with me today. Yeah, sure thing. <laughs> okay. Thanks for um, yeah, doing this, Daniel. My pleasure. My pleasure. So uh, I will talk to you later, and you enjoy the rest of your afternoon and the rest of your day. Okay, Peter. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. All right, you too. Bye. All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to Peter for being such a wonderful guest. And I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Acast, or Stitcher. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode, in two weeks... We're going to be talking about a place that we haven't been able to focus on yet, and that place is the Bahamas. Uh, I got the chance to talk to a rising college sophomore who uh, recently, in May, got to study abroad in the Bahamas. And <laughs> you get to hear all about why she went there and what she did there in two weeks. But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time. Street. Yeah, you hear?